Welcome to Navigating Within from the Hospital Improvement and Innovation Network team at the Iowa Healthcare Collaborative. My name is Dino Omerhodzik and I'm the host of Navigating Within. Thanks for joining us today and I hope you learned something. I just wanted to welcome Van Deest Medical Center. Um, we're going to be talking to them today about their hospital to home visits and everything that they've been doing around that. Welcome everyone. Thank you. Welcome. So I just wanted to start off by kind of asking what the hospital home visit is and maybe how it originated. A hospital-to-home visit is when we have a patient who's either been in the emergency room or been in the hospital, and we identify a need that maybe they would benefit from some eyes on them within the first 24 to 48 hours of being home, or maybe we just feel like they could use somebody to check in and check over how they're doing at home. So what we do is we kind of screen our patients for this need, and we send the paramedic staff out to their house at a scheduled time just to check on them and go through how they're doing and make sure they have the medicines they need and make sure they have a follow-up appointment scheduled with their primary provider and also intervene with any identified needs that they see, such as needing a sooner follow-up appointment than already scheduled because maybe they're having some problems at home or needing a public health referral for some help in the home, things like that. So that's pretty much what the visits are. They're just getting those eyes on those people that maybe are at risk at home of bouncing back to the hospital and intervening in anything they can do to help them. That sounds awesome. Um, so I'm assuming this originated with a need for kind of maybe minimizing readmissions, maybe targeting readmissions in general. Is that kind of... Yeah, that's exactly um, where it came from. You know, we had, it was kind of two-pronged. We, as Bandy's Medical Center, have, uh, you know, own and operate our own ambulance service. So we have paramedics, medics on staff 24 hours a day. So obviously with that, there's feast and famine in EMS. Sometimes you have some downtime, sometimes you're super busy. It's just the way it works. So sure. with trying to reduce 30-day readmissions, we are trying to use the resources we have, you know, always doing more with less, pretty much. And we thought that would be a great way to utilize the staff we already have. And those paramedics medics are also great in the community and really good with patients in their homes. So it wasn't anything new for them. Also, I'd like so, to add a little bit of origination. Yeah, go ahead was frequent ED visits um, was something that we'll try to incorporate when last fall that was communicated and trying to reduce some of those frequent patients. Maybe they missed something on discharge, a little bit of education, some of the geriatric patients not understanding everything. So along with the inpatient discharge patients, it would be improvised with the patients that were frequenting the ER allowing the medics to maybe visit them, follow up with them, seeing how everything's going, did they get their medications that were prescribed, and maybe just pass on a little bit more education if they need it at home. So part of that was a little bit of the origination along with the frequent readmissions. Great. So when when I'm thinking of collaboration, how does the paramedic know 
where to go and kind of a little background on the patient. How does that work? How does it all get initiated and ultimately end up coming to a, an actual home visit? Um, our, our social worker and our case manager have a big part in identifying these patients, but they're also identified, like Juan said, just from the emergency room and the EMS staff can identify those patients also if they never make it to the floor, they're just seeing them in the ER. But we do, you know, rounding on our patients with the social worker and the case manager and some other staff. And we talk about these visits during that time and just kind of identify those people that would be willing to have the service and, you know, would be a good candidate. And that gets communicated then to EMS by the social worker. By the social worker. Great. So there's a lot of collaboration that has to go on a lot of moving pieces in order for the actual paramedic to be on the scene with the patient uh, in their home which is amazing correct yeah absolutely so then based on my notes the first 24 to 48 hours the patient is seen within that time frame is it just one visit or is it multiple visits within that within that time frame how does that work if you have maybe a patient who is uh, frequently visiting the ED, do you guys kind of, how do you differentiate where the where, where the paramedics are going and, and how often they're visiting these patients? Most generally, it's just a one-time visit, just to, to check them at home that one time. Most of the time, they'll have a follow-up with their provider the next day, or they'll have public health or somebody coming to their house the next day. So those will be eyes on them the next day. I forgot the second half of your question. <laughs> is it, is it, that's kind of it. I think you got it. I, I think what I was leading to was maybe hesitation from the patient's point of view of having someone come to their home. Are patients more open to this or is this something that requires a little bit of work? Are there, are there any barriers in actually getting to the patient's home? So I'm one of the medics and when our social worker comes and says, would you be willing to go talk to this person? You know, we start out because generally it's uh, the elderly and we start out by introducing ourselves and a lot of times we probably were the ones that picked them up. So we just start with a little conversation. How are you feeling? Are you feeling better? And hey, we have this free service. And if you say we have a free service, that's a good <laughs> foot in the door. <laughs> and then we just let them, let them know that we come in and and we just make sure that they're doing okay, make sure that the, do they have any needs or any questions. And then, for example, if there's someone with CHF, we can say, you know, are you weighing yourself every day? Did you pick up your meds? Did you make a follow-up appointment? Things like that. And, you know, we just let them know it's just a free service that we have. And most of the time, they're pretty open to that. However, you'll have one or two who are like, I think I'm okay, or, you know, they're like, well, I live with my son, or whatever, and, sure. and then they don't need it, but that's generally yeah. how that kind of goes about, and how we are able to talk to them. Well, that's good. I think that initial, that initial conversation, just kind of warming up to them, really helps in the long run when you're actually trying to schedule these home visits. I think that is a super important part of everything you guys are doing with this. So in terms of demo demographics, uh, you said primarily elderly is who you're visiting? I, yes, I would say primarily that that is true. There's a few who are homebound that we visit. Uh, sure. There's a quadriplegic in the community that, we'll, that we have have visited before, but it's primarily the elderly or, yeah, yeah most that, of the time that's just who's at risk. 
those are the ones we identify. Yeah. Yeah, high risk for sure. In terms of barriers, when you're actually at the at the home, I know thinking maybe language barriers, anything like that. How do you guys overcome barriers at the home? And if you see something maybe that is kind of a potential high risk situation at a patient's home, how do you, what are your next steps after that home visit? So when I'm at a patient's home, first of all, I can say that I have never gone out to a Hispanic or Spanish speaking home, for example, or a Laotian where they strictly only speak that language unless they have like family members that can interpret. But as far as that is concerned, that we just don't do that a whole lot. It's like generally we have a lot of older farmers in this community, so it's just a lot of older generation. But sure. then as far as the barriers, for example, let's say they were they're falling all the time. Things that we would do, let's say they went home, but they're still they're starting to feel weak again. So, but some of the things that we would look for, carpets or high-rise transition between like the two rooms. We just had that a couple weeks ago, and we suggested to one of the children that they get the more low, what's the word? Oh, a gradual, more Profile. gradual transition. The gradual tra- transition. Sure. Or we can call the doctor and say, you know, they're still falling and still tripping. We can get their appointments sooner. You know, we have the phone numbers to most of the clinics. And so we can call and, and I'll, I'll call when I'm at the home. And that gives them quite a bit of reassurance that we are doing that. Does that help? Yeah, that, that, that answers my question. I, I feel like when you guys go out as a paramedic, the stuff you guys are seeing and you're there firsthand and you can help kind of like a frontline. It's a great prevention tool, This these home visits. I feel like if you're noticing that a patient is coming in frequently, actually taking the time to go to this patient's home and to just kind of reassure them and make sure that they have everything they need, I think it's helping you guys out in the long run, which is stuff that at, at first it's hard to develop these kinds of things and get them going. But once you have your processes in place and and your care coordination is in place within uh, your social workers and your paramedics and your ER staff and everything. I feel like you guys are doing a, a tremendous job and with what you're doing. So I, I commend you guys for all the work that you guys are doing. So thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, We're I, a I have a community and we work well together. So that's awesome. I, I have a question for the, uh, any of the paramedics in the room. Did you think you'd be doing home visits as paramedics? 17 years ago, no, but within the last few years, yes, and I absolutely love it. That's awesome. And I haven't had the opportunity to do that here as a manager, but I've done it as a paramedic previous to my previous employment, and I can actually say firsthand that I've actually really enjoyed the program while doing it. I think it's a great program. Um, I was on board for from, from the moment I joined Vandies, and um, just think it's a great program just for the hospital and the community and the elderly and you know i think it's just a, a big plus well i think it's nice uh, for the for the ems staff too to be able to see someone when they're not in crisis mm-hmm. you know you get to follow up with those people that you brought into the hospital that were really sick and now they're doing better and that's very gratifying to see that the work that you did had an impact on someone absolutely i couldn't agree more 
I think it's I think it's amazing that which is one of the reasons why I wanted you guys on the podcast and I wanted our Hin community to to hear your story and even though there are barriers at times I think the end result and actually helping these patients and all the collaboration between your departments is is working wonderfully. I wanted to thank you guys for being here today. I wanted to open it up. If you guys have anything else you'd like to share, the floor is open for you. One of the other things I want to highlight about this is, you know, there may not be an immediate need that you have to go to the physician, but one of the one of the best tools that we have in our arsenal is our health coach team. So it may be that someone maybe needs someone to check in on them uh, more frequently. Um, we also have that referral out to our clinic. So for those patients that visit our facility and then also our patients at our attached clinic, we have our health, our health coach team. And we're lucky enough to have Angela with us today. And I'll let her talk a little bit about once she gets a referral from um, the EMS staff, what, what she then does to keep following them in and to make that transition a smooth one back into regular primary care. Yeah, that sounds great. When all of our patients are discharged from the hospital, we call them to check on them. I typically wait to call them. So say that the EMS are coming to see them that day after they get out. I will call them the next day. That way we have more communication with them. You know, like they said, they go through the meds and they check to make sure they have their appointments. I also reiterate all of that with them. And then it's nice to be able to read their notes from seeing them at home because we get a completely different story seeing them in the clinic or seeing them in the hospital versus their home life. So then I will call them, you know, make sure they come in for their follow-up appointment. If they don't come into that follow-up appointment, I'm calling them again to reschedule that appointment or see what was up, why they didn't come. And then we do have some patients that are at a higher risk for readmission based off of like our LACE scores. And some of them, I will continue staying in contact with them for the whole month, either talking to them once a week or more often if needed, just to check in on them, make sure that everything's going okay at home. And I think this is one of the things that I'm noticing from all these programs is is the amount of attention to detail and the amount of effort that this is taking. And I feel like, uh, especially with all this cross-collaboration between and the paramedics and the hospital staff and, and everyone. And just all the cross collaboration, I think, is a lot of work, but worth it in the end. I think that's a success for the program. You know, what other hospitals are doing and what we're doing, I think the success of it is just that there's so many people that are involved with it. It's just a team effort. Um, exactly. and, it makes, and it makes it successful with every bit of it the paramedics, the social workers, the readmission teams, you know everybody across the hospital and the support from the hospital is a is the big thing also so i mean like you just said i think the collaboration amongst everybody is going to be what is makes it successful you know exactly does anyone else have anything to add no i don't think so great well thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules and for doing what you do i think the reason we have podcasts like this is to emulate your stories and emulate your successes so other hospitals can see that it is possible to do what you're doing. So I think what you guys are doing is uh, is incredibly important. And don't stop doing what you're doing because it's great. It really is. Thanks, Dino. Thank you guys for joining us for today's podcast. Uh, for any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. And I'll be more than willing to answer any questions that I can. For any questions that I receive directly for Van Deest, I'll be sure to direct them 
to the best possible source so we can answer all of your questions. And that concludes today's podcast. Thank you very much.